Pastor Xavier Reese says that pride inevitably leads not only to a fall, but a whole lot more. Bitterness, it ruins you. It hurts me first and hurts me worse, but then it influences and hurts and affects others around me. So I have to be careful. I have to submit myself to the Lord. I have to keep my relationship right. I have to realize these things and ask for forgiveness and do a little repenting. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The simple truth of Proverbs 14.10 is this. Each heart knows its own bitterness, and no one else can share its joy. And as Pastor Xavier continues our verse-by-verse study of the book of Philemon, the Apostle Paul appeals to Philemon for the kind of loving forgiveness toward the runaway Onesimus that covers over a multitude of sins. Let's join him picking up in verses 18 through 20 today. Paul the Apostle has been making his intercession for Onesimus to Philemon, He wasn't going to decide anything on his own. He was going to leave it in Philemon's hands. He was going to send him back. Paul declared the new actual position of Onesimus by the grace of God. He had made him a child of God, a brother in Christ. We have a clean slate, if you will, before God. Our past may still have consequences on our life. And we're to honor those things honorably and godly and biblically. We're not to skirt them. Some of us were in the world a lot longer than others. Some of us have other things that come into our life as Christians, but we don't live there anymore. If we have to be responsible regarding those after effects, we will do so to the honor of God. Very important. Now, we have the personal plea of Paul regarding Onesimus in view of the cost to Philemon in verse 18 and 20. Let me read here. But if he has wronged you or owed anything, put it on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, Let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. And so the personal plea of Paul here regarding Onesimus, in view of the cost of Philemon, is evident by the following. First in verse 18, the apostle Paul requested Philemon to impute to him any financial loss regarding Onesimus. In 19, the Apostle Paul declared to Philemon he would be faithful to his word regarding Onesimus. And in verse 20, the Apostle Paul exhorted Philemon to comfort him by his obedience regarding Onesimus. Let's begin here, verse 18. The Apostle Paul requested Philemon to impute to him any financial loss regarding Onesimus. Paul is a spiritual father. His heart is with Onesimus, as any father would be for his son or daughter. A father will do anything for his son or daughter. 
even when the son or the daughter is guilty, at fault, he will do what he can because love motivates him. Listen to his words. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, and so the apostle makes a very obvious contrast here in his petition. Notice the word but is a contrasting conjunction between what has preceded and what follows. The same word appears in verse 14, as a matter of fact. Here's a contrast. The value of Onesimus in Christ is the focus in verses 15 through 17. The value of Onesimus. The temporal time Philemon had Onesimus as a pagan slave profited him little. He wasn't a good slave. His heart wasn't in it. Yet the eternal time Philemon would have Onesimus as a Christian, brother, was of greater profit now to Philemon. The value of the material loss incurred by Philemon due to Onesimus is the focus of verses 18 through 20. And here's the contrast. He was unprofitable before. Now God has made him profitable as an instrument wherever he goes. And so the financial loss that had taken place was in the past. The financial debt that would have to be paid is still in the present. (laughs) If you become a Christian and you committed a robbery the night before, you're still going to have to go to trial. You're still going to have to go to jail probably, you understand? You can't say, you know, Judgey Wudgey, you know, I'm a Christian now. (laughs) And he's supposed to let you off. Notice the apostle acknowledged that what Onesimus did was not right. That's important. He first mentions the potential hurt of or offense. He says, if he has wronged you, there is no doubt here. He's guilty. He's committed the crime. And being with Paul, I'm sure he laid it all out. So Paul has facts. The word wrong there means to act unjustly or wickedly by doing damage or harm to someone. The fact was that Onesimus had deceived Philemon by being false in his service. There are people who work for people and they're false in their service. Only when the boss is around do they work. When the boss is not around, they don't work. When the boss is around, they take their 10-minute break. The boss is not around, they take a 20-minute break. The fact was that Onesimus had betrayed Philemon's trust by running away. He was his property. Notice he second mentions the financial loss or owes anything. There was the insult, the injustice, plus the material. The word owes there means to be bound by duty or by a debtor. The tense is in the indicative present active. It's a fact. He owes this. He caused Philemon 
the loss of his service. He hasn't been working all this time. Someone else has to do his work. He's paid money for this slave. We've already gone over the fact of Christianity and slavery. Uh, There was 600,000 slaves in the Roman Empire. Paul was not going to change it in one day, nor Christianity. One by one, people got saved, and pretty soon, uh, slavery uh, became something that, for the believer, as a master, they many times freed their slaves of their own accord. As we know, Luke is believed to be one of those, a physician who belonged to some wealthy man. And so Onesimus here had to have taken sufficient money to make the trip. So we speculate. And I think sometimes we read more into the text. We don't know if, if Philemon sent him on an errand to Rome and never came back. You see what I mean? So we can be off in a lot of facts. Surely that's a possibility, but we don't know. Linsky, the Greek scholar, makes a very good point in that he rejects the interpretation of financial debt by theft, but only loss of finances by the loss of a service to Philemon, because that's all we really know. It's a very good observation from the text, rather than reading into it. The reason being, he points out, is that it would be unethical for Paul to ask Philemon to cancel making the restitution. If he owes his money, it would be wrong for Paul to say, don't make him pay it. You understand? It would be unethical. So that's a great point that we have to look at. Notice Paul was promising then Philemon that he would pay the debt. He says, put that on my account. The apostle made himself responsible for the debt of Onesimus as the guarantor. A co-signer. <laughs> More than a co-signer. The goal of Paul was reconciliation of Onesimus, his son, to Philemon. That's the goal. Their spiritual relationship had been taken care of by Jesus in making them brothers in Christ. Christ has already done that. But there's the physical stuff. The stuff here on earth has to be done. And sometimes Christians don't make the distinction between the two. And though I am totally forgiven of my sins and my past, there are things that I still have to deal with here on earth with people. You understand? I can't just shove it under the carpet. I can't say, well, stick it in your ear. No. I've got to be accountable, right? If I'm a Christian. More now than ever. The only thing that might be a problem now at this point was a financial loss. The apostle made himself the substitute then for Onesimus' debt. He says, put it on my account. And the word put there is a technical term and means to charge one's person. So I make myself responsible. It's found only one other time in the New Testament in Romans 
5.13, and it's translated imputed, and it's talking about sin. Imputed. God imputed to us the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He gave it to us. And then he imputed my sin upon the Son. He, Jesus made himself responsible to pay for my sin. That's the word. And God the Father gave me the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's what the word is talking about. Paul was saying, consider it. As if I owed it to you, consider my payment rather than that of Onesimus. Wow. What a radical change this man had, huh? <laughs> one that hated Christians to one that does anything for Christians after his conversion. The word put there is in the present active imperative tense. He's going to do it. It's present. It's his. He was acting out the very practice of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as a kingsman goel. You know the Old Testament. The kingsman goel would rescue his, his son or his nephew, the next in line, to, he could redeem him from that slavery of six years and that debt that he owed. This is what he's doing. Jesus took our debt. Jesus paid the price that we owed. And so Paul is acting like Christ at this moment. It's been said that four things come not back. The spoken word. Oh, how many times you wish you, like David says, put a door on my lips. Once words are out, they're out. The sped arrow. Once that arrow is released, it's going to hit its target. A past life. You can't undo, redo, or relive one second of yesterday. It's gone. And the neglected opportunity. Opportunities that come once in a lifetime, once in a while, that we don't take advantage of. The thing that keeps people from reconciling often is pride. Proverbs 13.10 says, By pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom. I have to be very aware of my great potential for pride. I am a sinner. I still have sin nature. If I'm, if I'm not careful... I can be subject to its horrible attitudes and its influence. At other times, it's a refusal to repent by one or by both persons. Just a refusal. Proverbs 14.10 says, The heart knows its own bitterness, and a stranger does not share its joy. Bitterness. It ruins you. It makes what life should be living color, you see it in black and white. It makes everything gray. It makes everything tasteless. You just exist. That's what bitterness does. 
But when you're joyous, no one can benefit from your joy personally. They can see it. They can desire it. But it's yours, not theirs. Still other times, it is bitterness of having been offended or hurt, desiring only payback or vengeance. You ever been there? I have. <laughs> it's ugly. It's real ugly. <laughs> and it destroys you most of all. And I think that's why a lot of diseases come many times. It's because of bitterness and anger. It releases chemicals in our bodies. It creates things. It um, hardens our arteries, does things to our mind. God didn't intend us to live like that. Hebrews 12, 14 through 15 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled. It hurts me first and hurts me worse, but then it influences and hurts and affects others around me. My wife, my children, my friends. So I have to be careful. I have to submit myself to the Lord. I have to keep my relationship right. I have to realize these things and ask for forgiveness and do a little repenting. All of us should attempt to help any person that is in need of reconciliation when we can. But there are some cautions. Make sure you have all the facts so as not to lay a guilt trip by attempting to force the person who is acting biblically waiting for repentance by word or deed. If that person is waiting for the other person to repent, then back off. That reconciliation can't come unless that guilty party repents. You understand? The innocent party forgives so they don't become bitter, but there's no complete forgiveness or reconciliation because the other party has not acknowledged their guilt and asked forgiveness. Until a person repents and asks forgiveness of God, they're not reconciled with God. Repentance must take place. Very simple. And sometimes we may act sort of pharisaical, say, come on, brother, the Bible says reconcile, come on. And I start laying a guilt trip on the person who is doing things biblically, waiting for the other member to repent, you understand? So I have to be careful. But also, do not simply ignore or sweep the offense under the carpet. There must be an acknowledgement and repentance followed by forgiveness and reconciliation. Otherwise, it is what Dietrich Bonhoeffer used to call cheap grace, what I call sloppy agape. And a lot of that goes on in the church today. Repentance is not dealt with. And it's a joke that there's reconciliation. And what we do is be, we become permissive within the church. And we water down repentance. And we take away the sting of consequences and the authority of the word of God. 
and the holiness of God and the honorableness of our being brothers and sisters. And we remove having to humble ourselves before God and before each other. That is so necessary. Listen to Peter, 1 Peter 4, 8. He says, and above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. When there is acknowledgement and repentance, there's forgiveness, sin is covered. But those things have to take place. Confrontation for intercession, as we have here, is evidence of love without partiality. Listen to Galatians 6.1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, source such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So you go in gentleness, in meekness, and you confront it with that attitude. 2 Corinthians 7.12 says, Therefore, although I wrote to you, I did not do it for the sake of him who had done the wrong, nor for the sake of him who suffered wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear to you. So those who are in the position of authority or those who have the ability to intervene, the whole purpose is to demonstrate that we love one another. That's why we're doing it. Parents confront their children because they love them. They make them responsible, accountable. They give them conduct because they love them. It's an evidence of love. And when a church and Christians don't do that, there is no love. Love holds people accountable. Love keeps accounts straight. Doesn't keep a ledger, but accounts get taken care of. You understand? Very important. The apostle Paul requested that Philemon impute to him any financial loss regarding Onesimus. He's going to pay it. Wow. Because it was a real debt. He couldn't sweep it on the carpet. Notice, secondly, in verse 19, the Apostle Paul declared to Philemon he would be faithful to his word regarding Onesimus. Paul wanted Philemon to know the letter was authentic. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. The letter would be Paul's promissory note to Philemon and he wanted him to have the assurance listen to him I will repay Paul alone would incur the debt to himself this is his IOU when I used to work for Prano Markets we had people who would come in and charge things and we would hold their IOUs until Friday At the end of the week, they would come in and then they would give me cash or a check and I would give them the receipts and they would tear them up. But that IOU was counted as cash every night until Friday, you understand? This is Paul's IOU. This letter is Paul's IOU to Philemon for what is owed by Onesimus. Paul alone would absolve Onesimus of his debt. Again, Paul was a living example of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who incurred our debt of sin, who absolved us from our debt through him becoming sin. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, illustrating how our forgiveness was paid by the Savior Jesus Christ, one who paid a debt he did not owe, all because we owed a debt we could not pay. Now, there's much more of this message to come next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy. And the title you'll want to ask for is simply Paul's Passionate Love. It's available on CD for only $4. And this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. And once again, the title to ask for is Paul's Passionate Love. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 